Coming up on the Assassins Podcast, we've got Kavi Coram, co-founder and CEO of Usage.ai, joining the show to talk about eliminating cloud waste. Sounds like a nasty problem. Creating a new category in the midst of the cloud wars, and then the importance of timing when creating Usage.ai. We go a little further to look back in time to reflect on Kavi's experience taking usage from zero to one in the early days, and then the learnings that he's acquired from the scale and growth phase of, of growing usage.ai. And then we round it out talking about diversifying and de-risking partner and platform risk, something that I felt firsthand when building Disco, but it was cool to exchange war stories on that. And then talking about predictions on where the future of the cloud is headed. Kavi's got a couple of bold uh, predictions for that. So awesome to hear his perspective as somebody that lives in this day in and day out. All right, without further ado, Assassins, let's get into the show. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs. Assassin's state of mind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs. Assassin's state of mind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line. Assassin's state of mind. They say money over everything. Everything. Gation the game. Shopping for a wedding ring. Salary, startups, crypto, stock exchange. Appreciate every penny. Pocket change. One phone call. What's going on, everybody? Happy Friday. It's your host, Justin Van De Hey here at the Assassin's Podcast. Every week, we have exceptional founders on the show talking about their journeys, taking their companies from zero to one. This week on the podcast, we've got a CEO on that I've been meaning to connect with for some time because one of my good friends, Adam, just joined his pirate ship to drive sales activity but he is the CEO and founder of Usage.ai, which helps companies of all sizes get significant savings on their cloud bills with zero code change and zero downtime, all in under five minutes. Kave Coram, CEO and co-founder of Usage, welcome to the Assassin's Podcast. Thanks so much, Justin. Really great to be here. I thought we could maybe, yeah, just kick it off. Uh, we always start with some general intros on yourself. I would also love to hear about your background and then, yeah, the founding story behind Usage.ai. So my name is Kava. I grew up in Seattle, and I've been I'm a software engineer. So I've been writing code for a long time. I I started writing code when I was 16, and I took an advanced placement computer science class. Wrote my first line of Java there, and I I just kind of loved it ever since. And actually, it's kind of funny. The reason why I got into programming was because when I was in high school, I loved playing Xbox. So I played a lot of you know Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto, uh, and things like that. And I always wanted to be able to like mod those games so I could like fly and get unlimited <laughs> ammo. And so that was my initial motivation to learn programming. And so like I would, you know, mess around with my Xbox, open it up, put it back together and then, you know, write some code in C sharp. And then all my friends wanted to play Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto with me because <laughs> I was able to make people go invisible. And, and that was a lot of fun. So that was my initial motivation to kind of get into programming. And then I went into college. I studied computer science at Washington State. Then I got really into kind of these collegiate hackathons. Nice. These are just weekend-long build-a-thons, really. I think build-a-thon is more appropriate, where you just get together, you fly out somewhere with a group of people, 
typically any university and you just come up with an idea and you build it 48 hours later and then you present it kind of science fair style and and i just love that and yeah and then worked a few gigs spent the summer at jp morgan here in new york as a software engineering intern and then went back to school for a little bit and i dropped out then i worked for another mid-sized public company and then spent some time there and then i was kind of like hey, look, I'm in my 20s. I have no liabilities. So I was in a very kind of fortunate position where I didn't have any liabilities or people to take care of so or loans or anything like that. So I was like, I should just leave, quit my job and take a risk because this is the age in which I should take the most amount of risk. And yeah, and then I built usage. So what was the customer insight, I guess, or the, because I know I read usage.ai's tackling the cloud waste market. So I'd love to just understand what does the platform entail? And can you talk about the category that you're building? Yeah. In terms of experiencing the problem, I saw it time and time again after pretty much every single company I was at. Nobody really knew what was going on with their cloud spend. And a lot of the solutions at the time were like very old school, like reach out to a sales rep who will set up a demo for you and then take a month to integrate and then you have to sign a 12-month contract and that 12-month contract is four percent of your aws spend or something ridiculous like that and and i i remember wishing at the time hey i wish as an engineer i wish i could just without talking to a salesperson go on there run a savings test and see exactly how much i can save and then click a button and save that money Mm. And I just couldn't find anything that existed at that time. Um, and so I was like, you know what, like there's an opportunity here to like, you really take this technology to the next level and build something that's like truly self-service, really, and like really focused on on the engineer and making the engineer's life easier. And then in terms of when, when I was kind of coming up with the idea, I thought about doing something in consumer, but then I realized I'm not cool enough to do consumer. <laughs> And I thought, you know, maybe I can do something in in productivity, but I'm a good salesperson, but I'm not the best salesperson. So I decided against doing a productivity tool. And then I thought, well, I have a lot of experience in cloud. The last two companies I was at, I was doing cloud and, and giving people money is a very, very easy sale. And this was right around the time of COVID when people are kind of getting much more serious about their spend. So that's kind of where we started. And, and then I also just looked at the cloud market and I saw how quickly it was growing. $300 billion per year in spend, growing 22% year over year. So like in 10 years, owning 2% of that market is a billion dollar ARR company. Mm-hmm. And I think uniquely now more than ever, the opportunity here is, I, I think if you look at like five years ago, if you look at the cloud optimization companies of five years ago, they got to like 60 or 70 million ARR. But they never really got big enough to IPO because I think companies just weren't mature enough in their cloud journeys at that point in time, right? No one is really focusing on costs. Everyone is kind of focusing on how does this cloud thing even work? Um, but now, like, the cloud journeys have matured enough where people are like, okay, we're on the cloud and it's actually way more expensive than we thought. Mm. So now I think there's an opportunity here to build a billion dollar ARR business that can go to the uh, that can go to the public markets. And that's another reason why I decided to build uh, Usage AI. So I saw that the, the team recently raised the seed round, which is huge. Congratulations on that. Where are you guys at in the ventures journey? Are, are you sort of in, it sounds like you've got PM fit, you're scaling out sales. And then 
I'd love to hear more about sort of your ICP. Yeah, good question. I mean, we focused a lot. I, I'd say our sweet spot is 500 person companies because these are businesses where they're big enough to have spend usually in the five to $10 million per year range. So it's an interesting amount of spend for us. But also, it's not big enough to the point where like some of these bigger organizations, like you know the Fortune 100, the Fortune 50, they have teams of two to three to four dozen software engineers and data scientists mm. who are tasked with just this problem, just like, hey, forecast how much AWS we're going to consume over the next three years. And obviously, as like a 500 person company, you don't want to spend that much budget. You don't want to spend two to three, you, know, you don't want to buy two to three teams of people just to kind of try to forecast spend. So five, ICP is 500 person companies. Yeah. Um, industry is very agnostic. I mean, for us, it doesn't really matter what they're using their compute for or what they're using their you know, cloud for. If they're on cloud and they're spending money, we can help them save money. Mm. I saw that y'all recently launched support for Azure, which is which is great. I, I'd love maybe just to get your perspective on sort of the differences and challenges of working with a company like AWS and Microsoft, both kind of from a strategy perspective, but also a platform perspective. And I don't want to put you under the gun here either, because I know they're probably both partners. <laughs> so just like your perspective on how do you balance and thread that needle and then also balance the partner dynamic of both of those. So far, we have a great relationship with both. We've been working with AWS for a long time and they've been very, very supportive. And they're also a great channel partner for us. Yeah, I mean, we're being very careful with that. And we just launched Azure. Azure is still very, very early for us. So we're kind of seeing how that goes. But I mean, they're both good partners. And, and I think that uh, Azure is interesting. Microsoft's <laughs> interesting. I, just speaking openly, like we struggle, yeah. we balance that too. Because we when we launched Disco, we had shipped our first product on Slack. And then we worked on Google. And then we shipped our product on Microsoft Teams. So there was, I, I know in the hosting environment, it's obviously like, it's a lot different because you're dealing with infrastructure and but we just had a chat application that was sitting on top of these platforms. But I just remember on the front side, having to build, we got a lot of sales support from some partners, but not as much. The technical pieces were a little bit more challenging versus some platforms are a little bit more flexible than others. So I can empathize with some of the, some of the, without naming names, like I can empathize with some of the stuff that I'm sure you're, <laughs> you're wrestling with. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I would say there are some things that Azure certainly does really well. Yeah. Um, but they're you know, two great partners for us. You have some awesome experience in software development. I know this is, is your first go as a CEO. So just, yeah, for our, our technical listeners or founders out there, I'd love to get your perspective on maybe one of the biggest learnings or challenges, if any, that you've come across as a first-time CEO and then any advice for engineering founders that are on a similar path that you might be down to share. I think early on, I properly weigh the importance of distribution. So I was very focused on the product, but knowing what I know now, if I could go back to when I started usage, I would probably spend a lot more time focused on distribution. Now we have really good distribution channels, but, and then, you know, to that, I would even say, so, so I, I think one thing we got really lucky on is my first sales hire in the office in New York. It was actually my first hire total, like ever. Um, in the office. So he was second employee at the company here. He was, and he's still at the company. He's crushing it. He wasn't like a sales executive or a sales leader. Mm. He was just a really, really good salesperson. And he actually reached out to me 
And I think that was the right call. And I think he got really lucky with him. And he's still here at the company and he's doing phenomenally well. I mean, he's closed um, millions of dollars in business himself this year. So he's, he's a phenomenal salesperson. But I think we, one thing we got really lucky on is like, don't, don't bring on a, a sales leader too early. Mm. Don't bring on like a VP of sales too early. Like just bring on like a, a solid salesperson and work really closely with them. And I think that's the, well, one of the best decisions we made early on. I always feel like finding somebody that's hungry and down to learn, but good versus somebody that's more seasoned. I feel like that's a consistent theme, especially in that first sales seat where you're not just spoon feeding people leads. You need somebody that's resourceful and down to iterate. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but I think once you get to a point where you have like at least like two or three AEs that are like consistently hitting quota, then that's when you bring in like a proper sales leader. Yeah, that's right. But until then, we just hired a, our first SVP of sales nice. um, starting next week. So we're, we're finally there, but I think it's the right time to bring that person in. I mean, that was very, very recent. I think early on getting kind of hustlers, people are like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to close my own deals and I'm not going to make any excuses. I I, I think that was the right decision early on. Yeah. How do you see usage.ai's category evolving in the coming years? And maybe what are some of the emerging trends you're finding that are interesting or that you you believe are going to have an impact on your customers? Yeah, I'm starting to see a lot of consolidation hmm. through the space. So, you know, you saw, you know, Aptio acquired an RI management tool. Um, they also have cloud visibility and then IBM just acquired Aptio for $5 billion. And they also have, they, they also acquired a few other companies in the cloud space and they also have their own cloud offering. So I think, you know, in terms of M&A, you're going to see a lot of consolidation over the next several years because there is a consolidation in terms of a really across the entire cloud stack, right? One tool for AWS, for GCP, for Azure, even for some software tools, you know, we're starting to see Snowflake query optimization. We're starting to see Datadog optimization. We're starting to see Sentry optimization and and MongoDB optimization. So I, I have a prediction that with 100% confidence, I have a prediction that in 10 years, you're going to have a billion-dollar ARR company emerge out of this, this category, and that's going to be a platform play. Mm-hmm. It's whoever can build a platform that can optimize the entire cloud stack in a single platform or kind of similar to like, I'd say like Palo Alto Networks vision, right? So like Palo Alto Networks vision is they want to become the one-stop shop for all cybersecurity. Yeah. I, I, I think you're going to see Palo Alto Networks of, of cloud cost optimization here soon. And that's going to be us, by, by the way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's your take on like, I know Databricks with the acquisition of Mosaic, and I know Snowflake also announced a couple of strategic partnerships, I think with, I think with, who did they just talk about? I thought it was Microsoft. I think they just did something with Microsoft too. Just curious to get your perspective on sort of some of the alliances that are happening across the cloud infrastructure and AI, AI partners. I think everyone wants to jump on AI. It's, it's certainly an exciting space. I mean, we're, we're actually going to do stuff with AI vector databases soon and, and, and things of that nature in terms of optimizing those costs. So, yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? Everyone wants to get on AI and it's it's going to be a huge win for, for the cloud providers because at the end of the day, they're, they're selling GPUs right. for training and inference for these things. Yeah. we You touched on one of these ideas earlier, but getting a little bit vulnerable here, I'm going to just peel this question back. If you're comfortable sharing 
what's one mistake you've made as a first time founder and what did you learn from that experience? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I've ever made a mistake. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, I've made a lot of mistakes. This might be a bit controversial, but, but I think for a little while, the company was remote. Obviously it was during COVID, so we couldn't be in the office because mm. I started the company right around COVID. And then you know, we moved into an office as soon as we could. But I think being remote at an early stage was a really big mistake, to be honest. Hmm. And that was very, very, that was a very, very painful experience. Just because at the very early stages, a lot of the best ideas and the culture and, and the culture is so important that needs to be in person. And I think when we were building the team remotely, nobody really cared too much. And it seemed like people were just kind of logging on, doing their work and logging off. And, and, then, and then the moment we moved into an office, 80, 90% of the people who Actually, every single person, the first four people of the company are still at the company. So I think like the culture becomes really strong and everyone in the office is best friends with each other. They always hang out with each other now and they're always working and they're always knocking on their colleagues' doors. These two guys that both live on the Upper East Side, they just like a block away from each other. And they're always, one of them goes over to their place and they knock on a door and one of them is an SDR and the other one's an account executive. And the SDR will go and knock on the AE's door and, hey, what do you think about, you know, how, how should I reply to this person? So I think the biggest mistake was kind of staying remote for a little bit too long. And, and I think the, the right decision was going back into the office. How big is the team now? We're about 20 people 20 now. And primary uh, HQ right? is in New York, yeah? Yeah. That's good. I mean, I think that is, there's a lot of question around this idea of in-person versus remote. And I, I think one consistent theme that I keep hearing over and over is, especially based on stage at the early, early phases when you're building that culture, if you're in the leadership or an executive role, Versus maybe an IC or a salesperson, that's probably okay. But if you're leading a team and trying to foster culture, it's always good to sort of set that foundation in person. So I think that's consistent with sort of what you're, yeah. what you're seeing. And, and I can tell you, I've, I have friends who I won't call out, but I have friends who work remote and I've seen the way they work. <laughs> and they'll turn on their laptop and then they'll click a few keys every couple of minutes. So it looks like they're online on Slack. And then they just maybe work like one to two hours a day. And that's really common. It's not uncommon at all, I believe. So, so it's, uh, but yeah, it, but th there are exceptions, right? Like we, we do have one or two people who are remote, but they're rock stars. Their numbers speak for themselves. All right. So I know we're coming to the end of the time here, but wanted to just round it out with first saying thank you for, for making this time to catch up and would love, yeah, just to hear what's next for usage.ai and then anything else that you wanted to plug big things. We're moving really fast. We're shipping really fast. We're growing really nicely. And we're in this for an IPO here. So yeah, um, big, big stuff coming, big stuff coming through soon. Multi-cloud. I mean, we just launched Azure. We're launching AWS uh, cost visibility soon here. And that's going to be something that is going to be really exciting, I think, from a lot of early user feedback. Again, Kavi, just appreciate you making the time and excited to track the journey and we'll probably have to have you on before the IPO again, but appreciate you making the time, man. Of course. Thank you for having me. All right. That is a wrap. Again, shout out to Kavi Corum and the entire team at usage.ai. Uh, and also shout out to my good friend, Adam Wright for making that introduction. Uh, the thing that I, I love about Kavi's story, you know, they've gone through the zero to one phase and they've successfully validated PM fit channel fit when you've got a founder that's in the midst of sort of that scale up phase it's awesome to see 
the the learnings because they're super fresh. And I even things like you know his point about remote culture and the fact that they're you know building the team out. It's it's uh, it's really cool to see. So appreciate him coming on and sharing their story, and uh, we'll be tracking them uh, to see all the success and the things that they accomplish in this emerging category. So uh, this week on the show again, we've got a series of uh, interviews coming up. Uh, some we recorded at Collision in Toronto, uh, which I'm I'm just excited to, to share some of those with y'all. Uh, also, the long-awaited, anticipated rebrand of the Assassins podcast is coming very, very soon. So be on the lookout for that. Don't be creeped out when uh, you see a new podcast logo show up. It is it's uh, the heart of the Assassin is there, but we've uh, we've got some exciting work happening on the brand. So be on the lookout for that. Again, every week, appreciate y'all tuning in. Keep hustling. Keep grinding. Keep getting that money. See them dollar signs. Hustle. Grind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle. Grind. See them dollar signs. Assassin's state of mind. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle. Grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line. Assassin's state of mind. Hustle. Grind. See them dollar signs, assassin state of mind, assassin state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line, assassin state of mind. They say money over everything, everything, nation the game. Shopping for a wedding ring, salary, startups, crypto, stock exchange. Appreciate every penny, pocket change. One phone call and your life can change. What's your love language? Can't do.